Welcome to the Thriving Artist Podcast, an educational feature of the Clark Hewlings Fund for Visual Artists. The Clark Hewlings Fund exists to provide business training and entrepreneurial learning to visual artists to turn working artists into thriving artists. I'm Daniel Degree, your host. Our guests today are the graduating class of the 2019 CHF Art Business Accelerator. That's right, I have 18 guests on the show today, including all 13 CHF fellows, their four fellow advisors who are alumni of the program from previous years, and Elizabeth Hewlings, daughter of our namesake in this organization, Clark Hewlings, and the director of CHF. And for those who don't know it, I'm not only the host of the Thriving Artist podcast, but also the education director at CHF, so I shepherd the learning program in which our fellows participate. Fellows, welcome to the show. Now, I'm going to call each of you out by name in just a moment because this is actually our graduation ceremony, and we've decided to air it live. For those of you reaching for the pause button, I encourage you to stay and listen because I think we're going to hear some powerful things from each of our guests that speak to how working artists become thriving artists. For those of you wanting an inside look at CHF's learning programs and the transformations they produce, I expect you'll be glued to your earbuds, stereo, or car speaker. So without further ado, let's spend two minutes recognizing the proud graduates by name. Ladies and gentlemen, our 2019 CHF Art Business Accelerator graduates. Well, that's a great response. And now I want to call out some individual names as each person virtually walks across our stage. Um, so we're going to start with Tim Satternow. Tim Satternow. Robin Holder. April Wagner. Stephen Lester. Karen Whitman. Manuelita Brown. Jonathan Keaton. Andy Freeman. James Moore. Adrian Henry. Terry Cook. Terry Albanese. And last but not least, Sharon Crute. All right, once again, the graduating class of 2019 Art Business Accelerator Fellows. So now, in lieu of a graduation speech from myself or from Elizabeth, we're actually going to turn to the individual fellows and their advisors to ask some questions. So fellows, when you hear a question that speaks to you, just speak up and tell us your name. I'll also call on a few of you on occasion. So we're going to start with this. Uh, folks, what are you most proud of accomplishing in the program to date? This is Hi, Daniel. This is April Wagner. Hey, April. I think I heard Jonathan first. Was that you, Jonathan? That was me. Okay, Jonathan, you first, then April. Go ahead, Jonathan. I would say of all the things, the thing I'm probably most proud of is getting a brand story that you thought was worthwhile. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, I hope you think it's worthwhile, but I, I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> and I'm glad for your success. I'm, I'm excited about that. What about you, April? You know, Daniel, I'm really excited to have met the cohort that I've been a part of, the Art Stars. We have had such 
great conversations and great synergy, and it's been wonderful to hear about their art practices and to grow over the year together and to sort of level each other out where one of us is weak, another one of us is strong, and I feel like their success is my success, and I'm so proud of all of them, and I'm so grateful to have met all of them. Oh, that's fantastic. So, you know, what April is talking about is the small teams uh, that, you know, formulate different cohorts within the accelerator program. So it's three to four teams of between three and five people each. And you really build kind of a, a bond, don't you, with the people that you have to depend on to to get you through the program? Does anybody have an example of that that can kind of comment on, you know, let, let us understand in real world terms, how does that work? How have your, how have your team helped you? Hi, this is Stephen. Hey, Stephen. Uh, yeah, I wanted to share. Uh, I'm also on that same group with April, and and the team has just been a huge support to me. Uh, there was an opportunity that came my way that I was thrilled about, but terrified. Didn't see how it could uh, uh, benefit me financially, and um, I wasn't sure I wanted to participate with it. And they just talking it through with my team. They all were encouraging me and helping me to see my blind sides, really. And um, just that discussion by my peers helped me so much. These are people I respect. And that encouragement meant so much to me that that ultimately wound up being my pivotal project. And I'm very, very thankful. I wouldn't have had that had it not been that particular conversation on the phone with my team. Oh, wow. You know, Stephen, there's so much to unpack there. You know, first off, I can't help but notice you said these are people you respect. And I I assume that respect grew over time with sort of multiple interactions uh, with your team, you know, sort of building each other up. It was, uh, I just wanted to say it was, they're such an encouraging group. And I know all the groups are this way. You know, when I had an art show, a solo exhibition, uh, I walked in and saw an orchid, you know, that my team had sent, you know, for reception and just, uh, it's just a great uh, camaraderie that has been built. I love that. Uh, that's one of the things I like about the program is it's very hard to build, you know, a tightly knit team that can, you know, help each other and depend on each other and lean on each other in driving a career forward um, the way you can in the accelerator program. So so that really excites me. And I love you kind of alluded to, Stephen, to um, your pivotal project, you know, building a, out a project that is not just theoretical learning, but it's an example of actually implementing that in your business and in the real world. Uh, so I, for me, um, it's great to hear you, you talk about that. Let me ask you this, uh, speaking to everybody, all the fellows, what's your favorite part of the program overall? What stands out for you? This is Robin. I want to just um, piggyback on what Stephen said, because the um, fellowship program offers some really comprehensive, very successful strategies, but working in teams, what resonated for me is that in getting to know each other, we could really identify the sensitive aspects that each of us had, and we were able to walk through maybe some embarrassing moments or some real difficulties that some of us had in actually figuring out how to personalize the strategies and protocols. So to me, that was very meaningful, that human direct sort of um, connect that it takes into account who you are and what your motivations and intentions are. 
I like that. It sounds like that, you know, the vulnerability that you can bring to uh, a group of people that you respect and are working with on a long-term program, you know, also brings with it the opportunity to sort of open up and take feedback that, you know, might be sort of on the emotional channel uh, as much as on the intellectual channel about um, growing your business. So I like that you, you also build that trust uh, because you have that vulnerability and respect. Anybody else uh, find a similar experience or would like to comment on uh, what the, your favorite part of the program was? This is Tim. You know, there's so much in this business about uh, uh, personal recommendations and personal introductions. And I have found that to be one of the most valuable parts of this, not only meeting the other artists, but um, any way that they can help to introduce buyers or galleries. And I hope I've been able to do that to a couple of my my uh, my compatriots here. Um, but I find in this business that personal recommendation is the most important for me and the one thing that I've gotten most out of this. You know, I really love that. A, a lot of people wonder, what is the value of really getting together? I mean, you know, shouldn't an artist spend all the time in the studio and essentially be the hermit? You know, what, what's the point of going to be with other artists? And um, you know, I always point out that it, it, there is the intangible stuff that you can't prove um, that we heard about a moment ago. But uh, I also think there's the tangible part of exchanging contacts and exchanging skills uh, that allows you to, you know, advance each other's careers. I think one of you was talking about just uh, finding, getting help, figuring out which business objective was most important. So, um, yeah, I, th I think that that is a huge value, uh, and we shouldn't shy away from from wanting something tangible out of either a program or or from collaboration. Let me ask you guys this question: uh, Was there were there any surprises, or if there was something surprising about the program, uh, what was the most surprising thing over over the past twelve months? Hey, Daniel, uh, this is Terry Albanese. Um, when I look back at the last year, I think what has surprised me the most is really understanding um, the reason I do what I do. And then it's finding my voice to share this with others. So when you talk about finding your voice, how has the program helped you do that exactly? Or do you I think, think what was mentioned earlier, um, I can't remember if it was Tim or Steven who mentioned it, but it's the brand story. and understanding that yes people buy art but it's the story behind that art that really helps move someone to um, invest in a piece so it's not they're investing in just this piece that i create this glass painting they're actually investing in in my story and the journey i've taken to get to this point yeah, I think that's really true. I think that's insightful, Terry. I, I, when I think of, of buying a piece of art, I'm not buying a decoration. It's not a two-dimensional thing, but I'm, what I'm buying is meaning. And uh, yeah. for me, the meaning is partly visual. It's partly about the artists themselves. So there's a couple of characters there, right? There's, there's me, there's the art, and there's the artist. Now there's three characters in this, in this brand story. And to me, the you know, whether the art has some personal relationship to me or I'm buying what the art is in and of itself or I'm buying who the artist is and what she's trying to accomplish, um, whether, you know, one of those is, is more pronounced than the other, I still think about all three. And at least that's what I'm hearing from you is, is something that you've managed to apply over the past year. 
Yes, and it's it's made a difference, a huge difference, as I've had openings and really taken the time to connect with people, listen to them, and find a way to kind of weave my story in with their story. And it's so cool because it's not just selling a piece of art, it's really developing relationships which become long-term. Oh, I love that. Uh, so you're talking about how the brand story can help you develop as a stronger, possibly a, a more a longer relationship with uh, collectors, for instance. And I think that yes. that's absolutely right. Yeah. I keep, I know, I keep going back to the same font of meaning. I, it's very hard for me to buy one piece of art from one person. You know, if I get what they're doing and why it matters, I'm a repeat customer. I, I'm sitting here in an office. Uh, surrounded by podcasting equipment and art. And uh, each artist <laughs> is represented more than once, essentially. So, and for those who wonder why the acoustics aren't better, hey, look, I could put up soundproof panels, but my sounds are bouncing off the actual artwork. So, <laughs> well, anyway, uh, let me ask you this. So I've heard a lot of emphasis now on brand story and also on the team. So let's zoom in on the teams a little bit because uh, we, we did for a minute, but I, I have a specific uh, goal here. So we have these three teams uh, currently, the Art Stars, the Peregrines, and the Absolute Red. So I want to ask you, um, without outing you on which team you're on, et cetera, one, each of these teams has not only a name and its own group, but it has its own fellow advisor, right? So we have Kristen and Nadia and Greg as fellow advisors, uh, and we have Donna as sort of advisor of advisors and so on. So my question is this, who thinks that they have the best team and why? What really shines about your team? Or if you'd rather, who has the best emeritus fellow advisor and why, you know? Hey, this is Adrian. I have to say that Greg is um, definitely the best advisor. He uh, will take time out. The other day, for instance, he was at a party and he heard something that might be of interest to me. And so he stepped out and emailed me about it. That is off the charts as far as I know. So high touch, uh, care, uh, timeliness, um, and, and interest uh, is what I'm picking up from that. And that, of course, is Greg Chadwick, uh, one of our previous year's senior fellows who went on to become uh, an emeritus fellow and a, and a fellow advisor to the current crew of, of fellows for 2019. And the team is called Absolute Red. So my question is, is art stars and peregrines, are you going to take that? Because, you know. <laughs> hey, this is Stephen. I want to speak up for the art stars. I think we have the best team. But certainly our advisor, Kristen, she was a TED Talk uh, speaker this year. I mean, how many can say that? Uh, wow, what a professional and what a tremendous uh, benefit it's been having her uh, on our calls and, and beyond, uh, like was just said with Adrian, Kristen also communicates with us outside of our regular monthly calls together as a team and, and has been encouraging. What a strength and what a great thing. I, this is Robin. I have to add that Kristen saved the day for me on one of our assignments at the last minute, provided some thoughtful feedback, and that was kind of a lifesaver for me. Um, what really stands out in your individual career and how committed you are um, to taking the next steps, to uh, being open to feedback, to revitalizing your strategy in sales, your overall blueprint for your career, and your brand story. 
I'm impressed with your professionalism overall. So um, for you to give praise to one of the uh, emeritus fellows for their professionalism, I would say is, is a very high compliment indeed. I have to now nudge the Peregrines and say, Peregrines, what's up? Uh, how do you guys feel about your team? Is there anything that stands out as our team rocks because or our fellow advisor is awesome because? This is Manuelita. And Hello, I Lita. want to compliment our advisor, Nadia, because I did a show in Hawaii and she gave up time to personally come and spend the afternoon with me and talk about what we were doing in general and what was generally happening in the show that I was in. Uh, she's also been very encouraging on our conversations on our, about twice a month, I think we basically did our calls and uh, she was almost always there. So what I'm hearing is, is that what makes a good fellow advisor, um, there seems to be a common theme here, is nurturing, uh, some somewhat availability, but but more the thoughtfulness of going out of your way to make sure that, you know, you guys are, you have support, you have a network and you have tools to succeed, uh, which is kind of the overall purpose. It, it's sort of a microcosm of what we're trying to do at CHF in general. Is that right? Is it about nurturing more than anything? It sounds like a very good analysis to me. Well, good. All right. So uh, let me follow up then and say, um, we're talking about what you've learned and uh, what has stood out as important or surprising or, or what's been uh, beneficial. Uh, let me pivot and ask, what's next for you on the basis of what you've learned or gained from the program? Where do you go from here? Daniel, this is April Wagner. Hey, April. I am going to pursue my pivotal project, which was to build an addition on my studio so I can create larger sculptures and I'm grateful to this program for helping me solidify my thought process about that and then also spurring me into action um, and holding me accountable so that as deadlines approached, you know, if it was just me, I could probably talk myself out of following up on a lot of stuff. But when I had to be accountable to this whole group, it really helped me get the things done that I needed to do. So your pivotal project, the thing that you've developed that for listeners who don't know, a pivotal project is designed to accelerate your career by advancing you faster um, with an emphasis on the priorities needed to elevate and accelerate your career that you wouldn't have gotten out of sort of business as usual. Heads down, slow and steady wins the race. Well, that's true if you've got 100 years to live. But, but in fact, most of us, if we're going to really reach our goals, need something to help us sort of jump a few steps or accelerate. So that's what a pivotal project is. So I'm hearing you, April, say what's next for me is I'm going with my pivotal project. Let me ask, does anybody else feel that way? Does anybody else uh, intend to pursue their pivotal project, not just as a theoretical exercise that you did sort of in the fellowship, but, but this is real and you're doing it. This is Sharon. Yeah. I heard Sharon and Andy, I think, or Sharon and Karen. Sharon and Carrie Cook. That was cool. Sharon and Carrie Cook. Okay. Sharon, you <laughs> first ahead, and then Carrie. So go ahead, Sharon. I definitely am going after my pivotal project. This was an idea that I hooked up about 12 years ago. And I kind of let it fall by the wayside and being with CHF and getting the encouragement and the direction that I did, I am definitely doing this in the coming year. In fact, I'm staying up here in the Arctic Circle in my studio to work on it instead of going south this winter. But also, 
you know, the thing that was so helpful to me was the creation of an action plan through the career blueprinting because it gave me an an idea to get organized and give me step by steps of what I'm going to do throughout the year. I love that you had an idea that was sort of there in kind of a nascent form, but the program helped you not only define it better, create an action plan around it, but, but find that you were able therefore to commit to it more in the future. Um, so that's exciting. And, and, you know, I like you said uh, in my studio in the Arctic Circle, and I think, ooh, that's like that's X-Men grade. Everybody here has interesting stories, right? Sharon is up in the Arctic Circle. And I love that. <laughs> Carrie, <laughs> Carrie, you were going to speak. What is tell us about your project that you're going to continue to pursue? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to pursue my pivotal project. But really, it was just sort of a total um, mind shift this year where kind of, you know, piggybacking on the brand story that was so critical and that the things I wanted to paint versus what I was selling. And I saw that the, what I wanted to paint as sort of a negative. And now I see it as a way to differentiate myself and that that is something that I should be putting all of my energies into that there is a market for what I want to do. I mean, it, it, like I said, it's just a total mind shift on that. So, yeah, and I am selling them. <laughs> there are buyers for <laughs> the subject matter that I want to paint. So, yeah, so it's been really great that way. Love that. So you, you almost literally said that um, that delving into your brand story, which is about creating meaning for other people um, as a sort of wrapper for your art business and your, your practice as an artist has helped you define um, what the meaning of that art is for you. Um, and that's huge. Uh, that's a yeah. huge gain to your, your potential career uh, success. And, and also I think the fluidity, which w the ease with which you can sell. So congratulations, Carrie, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Thanks. So let me ask you guys, uh, those of you who are, are going after your, your pivotal project in the coming year, is it what you would have done anyway? Or um, if it's not exactly what you would have done anyway, what else has changed for you? I've heard a couple of hints about it, but well, what's changed? Hi, this is Stephen. Hey, Stephen. Um, I, I alluded earlier to the fact that I, I wasn't sure I had an opportunity to go to Japan to the 2020 Olympics. And and I just wasn't sure that that was going to uh, make the difference. <laughs> it was going to cost me more than I was going to make and what have you. Um, and it was uh, exclusively because of this uh, group and not only my my team, the Art Stars, but also, uh, you know, you, Carolyn, and, and Elizabeth, and the feedback that you gave and that basically distilled me uh, as to what, uh, I, I think that's the word I would use, it distilled my thinking to realize that there was opportunity here if I could, uh, you know, capitalize on it. And so I, without a doubt, I would probably not have done this. Without a doubt, I am doing it. And I'm, I, I attribute this to my participation with Clark Hewlings. I would have had the opportunity, but I'm not sure I would have, have done it. Even if I did, I wouldn't have been able to maximize it because I didn't know how, didn't really know what I wanted to do. And uh, this program has just come at the perfect time for me in my career. Um, even though I'm a late career artist, it just really helped me to 
uh, see some things uh, that I was not seeing about myself and to embrace my own story. Well, I love that. I, I love that, you know, you've kind of defined the word pivotal for us, that, you know, it, it, you were able to treat this project um, in, in the Japan Olympics as, as pivotal. And then on top of that, you were um, able to maximize it uh, because of the program and do so regardless of what stage of your career. Um, and I love that because any career can be accelerated regardless of where you are. In fact, to a certain degree, I think the stages are are mythological, right? <laughs> there's not one or two or three, you know, emerging and late, you know, there's, there's lots. Uh, and um, we have a certain amount of control over that. So Stephen, you've picked up the mantle and run with it. I, I throw some of that credit back to you. Um, you've, you've made the best use of the program. So that's, that's great. Uh, let me ask you guys, you know, I'm going to ask a few questions more of the fellows. I will have some questions for the fellow advisors and some questions for Elizabeth as the director of the fund. Um, but I want to stay with you guys and hear some more from the fellows. So about the fellows specifically, I asked you um, who, you know, who stands out as a, a team and who stands out as a fellow advisor. But I want to ask you now, um, who of your fellows in particular, those of you we're hearing from now, who of your fellows do you most admire and why? Or what have you learned uh, from other fellows? Anybody you want to call out? This is Manuelita. Learning from other fellows has been particularly interesting. In fact, not even fellows always in my group. Um, listening to all of the other fellows from the other groups when they're on the phone and discussing things, I've had the opportunity to talk with two or three of them who are not on my team, and they've been extremely helpful. Uh, they were inviting interesting and um i was able to to do things that i didn't think i was going to be able to do because of their assistance uh, my group has been very good too uh, it was always encouraging to know what they were doing and to have their feedback on what i was doing so i found that the conversations i had in addition to pre-planned ones was something that i got very much out of the program well, you know, you're underscoring one of the key points of doing uh, this peer networking, which is by building individual small teams, by building multiple cohorts, it better prepares every member of the, that cohort to interact across team boundaries, group boundaries, industry boundaries, silos, uh, and other you know groups of contacts, cliques, whatever you have. So here you are learning how to interact effectively uh, and positively for each other. But at the same time, you're learning, you know, how to be of most use to people in other groups and also receive a lot of that back yourself. So I, I love, you know, if I could give you an A right now for just sort of you know, articulating the point of that program uh, within the program, I would. That, that's really awesome. So thanks. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Does anybody want to give credit to anyone in particular? You got a name on your mind that, wow, that person really helped me. You want to shout out? Hi, this is Stephen. I actually wanted to give a shout out to James because I was traveling uh, and I was on the West Coast and uh, phoned him up and met him at his studio and he hosted me and it was such a, a pleasant surprise. But I want to thank James because he always asks the questions that I feel like I'm going to sound foolish if I ask. And he would ask them and I'm going, thank you, James. So <laughs> I want to give a shout out to him. And secondly, to Greg, uh, Greg Chadwick, though we've never met, we've talked, uh, 
on the phone and by email. And, and though he's not our advisor, he's given me advice. Been a great help. I appreciate that. I love that. So credit goes to James for asking the question that the rest of us have in our mind. That's another reason to be together. I, I love that. So let's come back around and ask you guys a more general question. Uh, what are, if, if you had to give something in the program, you know, a 10 and something else more like a one, or, you know, think of it on a scale of one to 10, you're giving something an eight and something a four. What are the best and the worst things about the program? Can you give me a, a juxtaposition? Best was this, worst was that. So Daniel, this is James, can you hear me? I can't, go ahead, James. So the very best thing for me um, was was the weekly conference calls, being able to stay on track with my goals and my perspectives and, and, and having all the stuff that we were learning reinforced every week was so extraordinarily useful for me. Because in the past, I started out the year with, you know, grand plans and, you know, ideas and blah, blah, blah. And then business as usual kicks in and life kicks in and then I lose track of what those were. But being able to kind of redirect it each and every week was just instrumental in me being able to stay on track. And it's made a huge, huge difference for me this year. And the, the worst, what was the worst? Uh, I'd call it the worst, but um, I'm a face-to-face -face person. And so I miss not being able to look into the faces of the people that I was talking to. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good idea, James. Some of you scare me. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I might scare you. I, uh, <laughs> well, I like the fact that is true. That is true. Uh, it is always nice to have face-to-face -face communication. Of course, we do, we do that on purpose uh, with the Art Business Conference as we go around to different communities and we help those communities not only create a thriving art economy, but help the stakeholders in the community. Um, extend that to where they get the, the financial benefits that help revitalize and build and strengthen communities, but also um, deliver education like this. Um, but, you know, what, the cool thing about Accelerator, you guys are kind of the cool kids. When I talk to those guys, everybody wants to be you. And they, you know, you're coming from all over the place. You got Karen Whitman up in New York and Sharon Crude over in Florida. And you got April over in Michigan. And it goes on from there. And, uh, you know, you got the Arctic Circle <laughs> represented here. So it, it's neat in that we wouldn't have found this group. It wouldn't be this cohort if we had just done it in, you know, out there where you are. So I, I, I like that that downside it also has an upside, but I'm glad to hear about it. Who else has a similar answer like that? Uh, like, a, I don't mean like James's, but I, exactly. But I mean, who has a, a pro and a con to the accelerator program? Uh, oh, Manuelita. Okay, Manuelita, you first, then John. Okay, I give very high points for uh, the process of doing my brand story. It helped clarify a lot of things for me. It clarified what some of the connections are between the pieces that I've selected to do over the years. It also clarifies my thinking when I have to make a decision about what to do next. And um, it helped me crystallize the, the, the project that I want to do, which I might have been working toward it without having done the brand story and the pivotal project exercise. I might have worked my way toward it, but I may never have gotten there in the next 10 or 15 years, uh, which is probably all I've got about left. So doing it the way we did with um, Clark Hewling's 
means that I'm moving forward with it a lot faster and I'm very pleased about that. That was probably the best thing for me about the program. Uh, the thing that I liked least about the program was doing the end of the month reports. But uh, <laughs> it been, they might be useful, but somehow it just seemed like, oh, I just did that last month and nothing's really changed. <laughs> I love that. It, the time flies, doesn't it? It does seem like the months fold into one another. Didn't I just do one of these? Did I dream that? You know, I, I totally get it. What you're helping us do, and, and, and that's fair, is you're helping us build uh, the data that helps design the program. So literally, we learn so much from you guys that help us uh, determine how we modify the, the workshops that we teach, the structure of the program, how we add new stuff to it, how we change the dynamic. And it has literally evolved every year. If you take Greg uh, Chadwick and, and Kristen and, and look back at uh, you know, the, the way in which we approached it, they're kind of, they might even be jealous <laughs> of how, we, how it has evolved. Uh, but, the, you know, the other thing that it helps is sometimes you don't change month to month, but we see uh, so many of you, we see an overall change, you know, in your stats from where you were with your sales and your career viability at the beginning of the program, which might have been good, decent. You know, we tend to have people in the program that are selling some art. Uh, and then, you know, we see the increase over time. And so it can be gradual, but uh, man, in 12 months, you guys have come a long way. So I love that. I, I, I am sorry. It's boring. <laughs> I totally agree. I wouldn't want to sit and fill uh, those end of the month reports out, but man, you're doing us a real service, man. So, so thanks for taking it on. I think I heard Jonathan also speak up. Uh, you were going to say something. Um, I think the thing that I liked best was um, the process of clarifying our business objectives. Um, it was a very organized and informative process that really allowed us to kind of dig in and figure out what steps were necessary. I love the idea of envisioning where we wanted to be and then looking around one year, two years, five years from now and going, what, what did I do sort of, you know, in our imagination to make this happen? And then go, okay, well, now I need to do those things. That was really, really a wonderful tool that I'm going to use a lot. Um, the part that I liked least is also something that I ended up um, liking best because I hated the process of writing a brand story. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, going on stage for the first time, um, especially because the kind of work I do is not um, something that immediately does a brand story that separates you from everyone else in the universe. But one of the things, the part that was initially really hard about that and then that gave it the most value for me was that you as the kind of, uh, you know, audience slash critic always assumed this sort of everyman role. So that if it was canned or if it was artist speak or if it was Nunu Nana, you're like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. So if you could get through to that character that you were being, then it meant you could sort of get through to anybody. And that was really super valuable, especially because normally we have to do that on our own with no one to feed back to. So. That was super powerful. Oh, I'm really glad, Jonathan. Yeah, I think the clarifying uh, business objectives, what I heard you say was it, it's not just some content or doing it once. It's not just a thing where, okay, now I know my business objectives. I'm good forever. But it, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I picked up that you learned a skill set, that you learned something that's exactly. transferable. 
And now when you take on a big project, uh, whether it's your current pivotal project or one down the road, you can apply that same clarifying process. Did I get that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm really proud of that, that, that you picked up a, a really portable skill. And of course, you know, I'm biased. I love the brand story is my practice area. So I love that you, uh, you hated it and then you loved it. But what the basis of it was breaking through to something that is individual to each artist, but also needs to touch the universal, what you call the everyman rule. I hadn't thought about it that way. So you're, you're also teaching me a little bit in this area. That's really neat. Well, uh, so I want to ask you guys um, one more question about your group and just a couple other things. So are, are you going to keep, keep in touch with the group or the contacts, the other artists in the program that you've uh, met and, and relationships you've formed after the program? And I ask that because in previous years, we've had fellows who collaborated, you know, in the future, sometimes on mutual projects or sometimes just in mutually growing their business and kind of formed a support network. Do you guys have any plans beyond, you know, this month? Hey, Daniel, this is Terry Albanese, and um, our group, Absolute Red, will continue to work together. And what thrills me about that is, obviously, as artists, we're isolated. We do work alone, and most of us like that. I've learned the importance of having a network. It's been really cool uh, learning the different strengths that we each have and our weaknesses and how through a network we can kind of lift each other up in those weak areas and encourage each other with the strengths that we have. So yeah, we're going to continue to have our monthly conferences and um, hopefully just continue to encourage and be there to lift each other up. That's fantastic. Anybody else planning to, to keep it going besides Absolute Red? This is Robin. I'm going to be looking forward to working with Tim for his presentation in the spring at the art fair. And Steve uh, sort of threw out a possibility of us working together in the future on curating a show. So um, that is exciting, those connections. And I think that one of the beautiful things about this fellowship is when I was listening to the other fellows ask questions and talk about their challenges, it may not have been issues that really are anything that I'm dealing with now, but taking notes, I know in the future who I might contact should I have something that I have to deal with down the line. You know, what Robin brings up uh, really interests me, and I, I want to ask you guys sort of an industry question. Uh, see if you, anybody has a, a thought on this. Do you think it's normal for individual fine artists to develop the kinds of relationships you develop here anyway? Uh, and essentially, you're you're constantly sort of building people you can you know block and tackle with, call up, do projects with. Or is it hard? Uh, and a, a program like this accelerates it or or changes it somehow. Manuelita. Two people, Hi. Manuelita and I think Karen. Go ahead, Manuelita. Yes, this the program has helped develop my skill in working with the, with a small group. Uh, I was already involved in a few groups, but I don't think, well, I'm sure, that I was not using that interaction effectively. And since the advice and the practice that I've been getting, it's become much better. And I'm not only involved in my Peregrine group, 
which we do plan to maintain contact mostly through email, but then uh, also uh, through phone conversations as necessary or as convenient. But I'm also learning to use other groups more effectively. Oh, I love that. You know, I, I hear artists that do form groups. And I, I think it, from my experience, it breaks down into a 50-50 split. Half of them say, you know, we tried it for a few weeks. I didn't get the point. We didn't seem to get anywhere. We circled the drain a lot and, and we finally stopped meeting. And I hear other people that say it's really great. I wish I could get more out of it as a common refrain that, that ultimately um, it feels good and I feel like I'm not alone in this. And, and so the camaraderie is really helpful, but I wish there was also a lot more concrete stuff uh, you know, sort of like we heard about earlier, I think from Jonathan. So, uh, I, I like that what I'm hearing you say, Manuelita, at least I think is that the processes of creating a healthy ecosystem, creating a healthy, um, set of both boundaries and opportunities to cross boundaries, uh, that make a group strong is something you've learned here and can take now to other groups and, and extend your network, your, your peer opportunities even farther. Yes, exactly. That's fantastic. Now, I, I think I heard Karen speak up. Is Am I wrong, Karen? Was that you uh, a second Yes, ago? that was me. Um, yeah, I'd very much like to continue uh, meeting with my team. Actually, I was one of the lucky people that got to be on two teams when we regrouped at, at one point. But, you know, I've had some individual, you know, emailing back and forth with people from both teams, and I would certainly be open to that. But I feel like the whole experience of sharing with individuals and teams here makes me more open to even asking local people here in where I am in Woodstock um, for, you know, sessions, sharing ideas and, and batting things back and forth together. And I just feel like much less like I would be bothering them, but more that we would be enriching each other's lives to do this. Who knows, maybe I'll even start a group here. Well, I love that. You know, James was talking earlier about the value of meeting face to face, and I'm a big believer in it. I, I support that. The idea that you can get the for a song or for nothing or, you know, in exchange for cleaning up after yourselves, we don't bust your tables. You get the back room of a Denny's, you know, where they have used to have corporate meetings in the, in the old days before Denny's became decidedly uncool for that. Or, uh, you know, you get the base, your uncle's basement, which is used for Dungeons and Dragons two nights a week and the other five, you can have your pick, you know, or something like that. And you, you put out your notice on Facebook or meet up or whatever, and you hold your weekly get together and uh, and you invite new people and check each other out and you, you start forming, a, you know, alliances and an agenda and, a, and a, uh, an inventory of your different skills and, and contacts to refer to those concrete things that I heard earlier. Um, I, I think it's a great idea, Karen. I think everyone should should try to extend into the in-person environment. Uh, if we can get a little bit more out of our phones uh, and also out of the studio. I think it helps. As a matter of fact, uh, Sharon and I had lunch together yesterday, so we've already started. Was, oh, that's um, awesome. <laughs> Saratoga, and we'll, we'll see each other again, too. I think that's an old saying. It starts with lunch. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, unless you're a night owl like me, and it, uh, it starts with 2 a.m. popcorn. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I have two more questions for the fellows, and then I want to turn and ask the fellow advisors uh, some questions. Uh, I don't think we have all of you, but we might. I think we, we might have Donna, Kristen, and, and Greg. And, and we might have Nadia, uh, but a couple of more questions for the fellows before we move on. So one is, 
what do you know now that you wish you knew before you started the accelerator program? Hey, this is Adrian. I would say, you know, it's something simple like the idea of reverse engineering a really large project to make it more appealing and actually more realistic. I hadn't really thought about that simple idea of doing that. And it was a game changer for me personally. Oh, I love that. You know, uh, my father worked with Russia back in the days when uh, the Cold War was was uh, loosening up a little bit. And, you know, we had found they reverse engineered one heck of a lot of our stuff. And <laughs> and, uh, and so it became a household word in my family. And so, yeah, uh, Elizabeth Ewings, you know, the director of the fund, uh, really got me one day when she she drilled it into me. You know, you know about reverse engineering. The way you solve any problem is you work backward from done or your goal, and you figure out what's the what are the steps to get there. And and that became a seminal part of our our program. So I'm glad it it was useful for you, Adrian. Did you reverse engineer anything in particular that that stands out? So you know, working on my pivotal project, and then you know, after realizing that that's actually you know, a great way to do things. It's kind of made my head explode into other large ideas that can be broken down into these, you know, reverse engineer it. It totally works across the board. So yeah, great. That's what the, the main thing that I learned, I think. Oh, I love that. Somebody said earlier that their power of their group encouraged them to tackle uh, a big idea. I think it might've been Steven that, that ultimately the, the, what it took, the impetus, the encouragement to to take on a really big idea uh, was partly from the group. But you're also underscoring that artists who want to take on big ideas, not settle for less, um, can also use a methodology of reverse engineering, you know, what are the steps that, that ultimately create that reality for me? And then, and then now follow those steps as kind of an action plan and work forward to that. In fact, we call that process your career blueprint. So I love that. You've got both the process and the team that helps you decide what is the career I want? What is the life I want to have as an artist? What, what is my financial condition? What, are the, what do I stand for and, and am known for? What is the kind of work I'm doing? Uh, in, in a way, what you're talking about, Adrian, is a, a way of bringing that stuff into being. Yes, for sure. Well, I love that. I love that. Daniel, this is James. James. So the, the sort of tension for me was the separation of my mind between business and making art. What I've come to realize is that the business side of my practice is as much a creative process as making the art. And when I began to see it that way, I could make whatever I wanted. I could use, you know, reasonable kind of tools that everybody uses, but I could create whatever I wanted. And that that resolved that tension that I've been fighting with between the business side of what I do and the creative side of what I do. They're they're not separate anymore. Wow. You know, that's something that Elizabeth Healings uh, taught me and also brings uh, to the program. You know, she always zooms out and has this sort of big picture. Um, and I, I find that she zeroes in on, are you, are you going after the thing you really want? Or are you telling yourself a story about why you can't have it and choosing something that is out of a subset of what you want that's just those things you think you might be able to get? Right. And so I, I think I, I'm hearing you say um, that the program helped you decide that you could have what you actually want and remove the tension of trying to chase the subset. Did I sort of get close? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, I have to lay that credit 
for building that design element into the program directly at the feet of, of Elizabeth. Uh, I couldn't have done it. So, well, uh, well, let me ask one more question of the fellows, and then we'll move on to the fellow advisors and ask you guys just a couple. So for those who are listening at home, uh, we've got about three questions to ask the fellow advisors and, and a couple of questions to ask Elizabeth, but I want to hear the fellows one more time. So uh, I'm going to ask you uh, a fun question. Who's your favorite teacher <laughs> and why? <laughs> Daniel, that sound really weird. I gotta say, you're my favorite teacher because I love when people cut out bullshit and say what is hard to hear, and I just I really appreciate it. I like it, uh, James. I think you said I'm your favorite teacher because I have no filter. <laughs> but another way is to say it is, yeah, I don't, I don't pull punches. <laughs> I give it to you straight, and that's the only way. I like to answer my questions the way I like to drink my whiskey. <laughs> you know, no, don't you put an ice cube in that? It comes straight. <laughs> exactly. Well, who else? Yeah. Who has has a different answer? Anybody? Manuelita. Really... Manuelita, go ahead. Yes, I have a very difficult time choosing between teachers because I always ask myself, when am I going to get out of this? And I can always get something out of what each of you has said. But I particularly like the fact that Elizabeth is, I guess I would call it, has a very good gift for blue sky. She just manages to look at something and see it moving forward, 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 and yet further. And so um, that was, that's particularly inspiring to me. I love that. I do think you're right about that. I never heard that called blue sky, but that's leave it to an artist to, to characterize that way. I'll use that in the future. Elizabeth has a gift for blue sky. That's fantastic. Anybody have a this different answer? Robin, uh, I just wanna, before you go on, I just want to say that Carolyn is very positive and her approach is always to mention first the strengths and the positive aspects and then to give suggestions about the weaker points. You are really excellent at just deconstructing everything and challenging us to get down to the core of what it is we're doing and be precise and really articulate. And Elizabeth really encourages us to not look at the practicalities, but to take that big vision and figure out how to put in place a strategy that will be appropriate for reaching the unreachable. Wow. So Robin, yeah. I, I'm hearing um, that it was kind of a, a mix or a battle. You had a buffet uh, of different yeah. approaches to the, to similar problems uh, that allowed you to kind of get all the, you know, everything from the big picture to the drill down and dirty. Is that, is that right? Yeah. And each one of you has a different approach and style and um, character. So it really was a great benefit to us because there were times when we were very empowered, times when we felt very vulnerable, times when we were overwhelmed, confused. But somehow in the way that each of the three of you dealt with us, I think that everybody got what they needed at the time that they needed it. Yeah, I like that. I realize um, that, you know, I can stand up there all day and and uh, walk you through different things and help you build something. But in the end, uh, without Elizabeth or Carolyn to recontextualize it, um, from the standpoint of their practice area, uh, a good, a certain percentage of people, um, you know, they can't digest it the way I'm giving it. So they, they want to, they need it another way and vice versa. You know, I often, uh, feel like that 
somebody will come to me and say, what the heck is Elizabeth talking about? Like, I think she means this, you know, and uh, they're like, oh, wow, okay. And so I think it's good that we have a staff that builds on each other. Now, one of our, our newest staff members, and we added this year, um, is Elaine Latrell, and she taught the financial side of, of the business, taught the, the financial practice area. Um, so I, I'm curious, did anybody find that piece really helpful? Uh, this is Karen here. Elaine was wonderful. And, you know, I feel like I had a particular aversion to all that financial stuff. But I really feel like like I've come a long way with it. And I just love the way she just delighted in everybody and just had a, a real appreciation for what artists are doing, even though she's coming from a completely different place. I just loved working with her, and I did get a tremendous amount out of it. And I know that I'm going to be handling all those financial things in a much more professional way in the coming year and beyond. I found the same thing, Karen, observing it. Uh, I I was um, amazed at how... Uh, Elaine could make it fun. <laughs> you know, who's mm-hmm. ever heard of looking at a spreadsheet and crunching numbers is fun, you know, unless you're just a math elite and I'm not. Uh, but actually, um, she made it more than fun. I, you used the word delightful. I, I had that same idea. It was it was a delight. So yeah. uh, I'm glad to hear it. Well, all right, I'm going to turn to our fellow advisors. And that, of course, is uh, Don Anizio, Kristen Levere, Nadia Fairlam, and Greg Chadwick. And just ask you a couple of questions. Uh, feel free, any of you, to answer, or more than one to answer, whatever you'd like. Uh, so what's been your experience as a fellow advisor in the Accelerator Program? Hey, this is Greg. I'll jump in. I've kind of got an analogy here that I want to use. You know, um, when I was in the program, it felt like I was climbing Mount Everest. And, you know, there's so many steps and so many, you know, slips and falls. After doing that, being an advisor, I see it more like a Sherpa. You know, the Sherpas are the one who go up the mountain all the time. You know, people don't make it to the top of Everest. Maybe they do. It's maybe their life achievement. The Sherpa, that's their job. They keep doing it. And they learn that mountain inside and out. And I think as an advisor, not only were we helping the, the new fellows, we also were relearning the steps to reclimb Everest, which completely – I think has just added another level to my art career. Oh, I love that. You got a bonus. In other words, this is the hidden benefit of being a fellow advisor is, hey, you go through it one more time from a completely different angle and now you know it for life. So yeah, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Well, who else? Uh, Does another advisor have an answer to that question? Tell us about your experience as a fellow advisor. Hi, this is Kristen. I was absolutely blown away by the quality of the fellows this year. I mean, they're people that just had incredible careers already. And it it was fascinating and fun to sort of see them um, maybe work on little tiny details or take bigger leaps. But uh, it was really, really inspiring to me. I'm glad to hear you say that. Uh, you know, we want artists who are in the program to have a certain level of viability, um, but we want to see an opportunity for growth, an opportunity that um, they can truly take advantage of and then a, a real desire. So a lot of people ask us, you know, on the Accelerator program when they when they apply, that like, what are you really looking for? Can you give me sort of the inside track? And And that's some of the stuff. We're looking for your ability to to evolve uh, a clear desire to 
and an opportunity for us to really help you do it. And that you're in a place that, you know, um, there's some validation that your, your art is uh, saleable and marketable and you're, you're serious about your career as an artist. And uh, so I think we got a lot of that and I think we keep getting better. And so I agree with you. The, the current crop of fellows are um, impressive in the extreme. And I think I intend to follow all of you guys for life. I mean, I will always be watching your art, following your Instagram, looking at your stuff. There's never going to be a moment where I, I follow last year's fellows and the year before too. There's never going to be a moment when I'm not looking at your stuff going, all right, what, what are they doing? What's Belgian Uselin doing from, you know, a couple of years ago? What's Greg Chadwick doing from last year? Where's Tim Satter now? Now, has he got a show going? Any, is he going to be near me anytime soon? You know, he's over in Hartford. Get over here to New York. So yeah, I totally agree. Well, let me ask you guys another question. So uh, fellow advisors, uh, what, what have you observed about the progress of your team? You kind of have a different view than they do, right? Because you're, you're advising them and they've talked about their experience. What's your experience? Been? This is Nadia. Go ahead, Nadia. Okay. So my experience is the, the one word I would use is inspired. Uh, inspired by the talent of the artists in my group, inspired by their persistence, and inspired by their growth. And it was a real honor to observe everybody's challenges and struggles and watch them grow through them. So similar, I mean, I'm hearing similar to Greg, that there's kind of a different angle uh, in the approach. I'm going to ask you a question directly of, of yeah. Donna. Yeah. Uh, Donna has joined our board and, and contributed amazingly both as a, a fellow advisor and is also contributing so much to the Clark Healings Fund in other ways. And you've kind of been a shepherd in more than one way, Donna, through this whole process. Um, I bet you have a unique perspective on every, anything, everything we're talking about. So I don't even want to script your question. I just want to ask you, what's your take? Well, Kind of with Greg and Nadia and, and Kristen, I, I'm just like, it's it's kind of a, it's a different point of view, but you get that luxury of going through again. So if you missed something, you're like, oh, I didn't need this last year, but this year, that's useful. <laughs> so it was almost like you had none of the responsibilities or the tests or anything. So it was a lot more fun to go, oh, yeah, I can do that. You, you know, there was that safety net. But I really like that Sherpa analogy because it's, it's when you see people and you know they have an idea and you have to let them struggle to get to it. You can't just say, here, do this, because they don't get that. So it's, it's like, oh, just do this, just do this. Or you might mention it and they completely don't get it. And then, you know, two weeks later, they're like, oh, you know, we could do this. And I'm like, absolutely. So it was, it was kind of fun to watch um, different people grow at different rates and how they were tackling problems was fascinating. And it's it's always a, a learning process because it's like, well, I might have that problem next year, so I'm paying attention. So it's really it was really great. Um, I like that. You're saying the same things. I hear Nadia talking about, Nadia, you're talking about inspiring is the term you used. Nothing short of inspiring and, and gaining inspiration from it. And Greg, yeah. you're talking about sort of seeing from a different angle. It's like rotating the puzzle and getting to now look at a football game from, you know, the opposite goal, <laughs> right? And the opposite goal yeah. line. 
and then and, and running the play again. And then Donna, you're talking about being able to say, you know, these these challenges and hurdles that come in any art career um, can come at different times, uh, different stages, as somebody said. And so you're kind of talking about, uh, you know, shoring yourself up, because if not today, then certainly or perhaps tomorrow, um, some of the same challenges. And by going through the, the practice, of, you know, it's almost like a martial art going through the practice with the fellows right now, you're more equipped uh, later. So I love that. You know, you guys are, are pointing to different aspects of the emotional or spiritual, the intellectual and the and the practical or, or the tangible of this of the same thing that you're sort of talking about. That's quite impressive that you, you're so unified in your answer. Well, so I'm going to pivot now and and uh, wind down the show with a couple of questions for Elizabeth. We haven't heard from her. And without Elizabeth Healings, we wouldn't be here. Uh, in much the same way uh, that without Clark Healings and the model that he set for us, the template for the career artist committed uh, to succeeding on his own terms, we wouldn't be here. And Elizabeth channels that and brings that in the form of uh, not only driving uh, this organization to its mission, uh, but helping each of the constituents, each of you guys, the fellows, achieve your mission. Find it, define it, clarify it, somebody said, and achieve it with an action plan. So Elizabeth, a couple of questions. First one is, why is this program and programs like it so pivotally important for right now, for our time? <laughs> well, first, let me say, without Clark Hewlings, I certainly wouldn't be here. <laughs> um, <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, I think, you know, as the world is confronting some existential problems, urgent problems, we absolutely have to create or support an environment in which creativity is fostered, because we need to invent new ways of living. And throughout our entire history as a species, we have succeeded by marrying a good idea to a solid plan and then implementing it. So it always starts with the idea. And unless we create the conditions in which people can have good ideas and have those ideas be respected and we can take them to market and we can implement them, uh, we're just not going to survive and neither is our planet. So that's a big uh, existential reason that I think this is essential. I think on a maybe a more micro level, um, as the way we work and the way we live shifts, uh, more and more technology, AI, uh, different ways of working, the gig economy, all of these things, the you know globalization, we have to rely more on ourselves and our interpersonal relationships to succeed and we have to be able to break things down and analyze them and be strategic. So I think that that is just key for everybody, no matter what they're doing. I mean, it's easy for me to say that because strategy is, is my bread and butter and really the only thing I'm any good at. So it's hard for me to look at any situation and not think it could be improved with even more and better strategy. <laughs> That's why I think it's essential. One more question then. Let's drill down, Elizabeth, <laughs> from that high level. 
to or or what you called uh, I think you called it the macroscopic level or something like that. Let's mm-hmm. drill down from that level to uh, right now this moment with the fellows. What excites you most about this group of fellows and what you've seen over the course of this year, 2019? I think this is an amazing group of people, um, not just with big ideas, but with some important ideas and real gumption, which I just love, you know, and all different kinds of, of ideas and all different kinds of things that, are, that people are heading in different directions with. And, and a lot of solid stuff. I mean, I think we're seeing some major projects here that have legs and that, that are going to be important. And I really do believe that you guys are going to continue to build on the momentum that you have and actually really achieve some of these big goals. And that's really exciting to me. You know, anytime I work with anybody who's latched on to something solid and is really going for it. That's so exciting. That's more exciting than trying to implement my own thing. And I think this, this crowd really has that in spades. So in closing out the show, I'd like to encourage you wherever you are listening at home or even here with us in the show fellows. So don't be on mute for this to join in and cheer once again for the graduating class of 2019 Art Business Accelerator Fellows. Yay! You've been listening to the Thriving Artist Podcast, an educational feature of the Clark Hewlings Fund for Visual Artists. For more information on the Clark Hewlings Fund, visit clarkhewlingsfund.org. Special thanks to Donna Nizio, one of the CHF Board of Directors, who has also been instrumental in guiding our fellows to success as a fellow advisor. Ella Adkins, our educational concierge, and Carolyn Edland and Elaine Latrol, practice area leaders who have delivered multiple workshops and labs that have nurtured our fellows in the areas of sales strategy and financial competence, respectively. The music is provided by Alden Terry. If you've enjoyed this program, be sure to subscribe to new episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Home, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on CHF's Art Business Accelerator, profiles of all the artists you heard today, updates on the next call for applications, and to access our year-round learning programs for working artists, visit clarkhealingsfund.org slash accelerator. That's clarkhealingsfund.org slash accelerator. Thank you for listening, and thank you, our Art Business Accelerator fellows. It's been really great working with you all year and having you on the show today.